This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. This week's guest is Montana U.S. Senator Steve Daines. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Senator Steve Daines next. In rural America, there are three things that never change. The land, the determination of the families that farm it, and the loyalty of their co-ops, which provide the markets, inputs, and agronomic expertise farmers and ranchers need to stay profitable. CHS, the nation's leading cooperative, is proud to connect member cooperatives and producers to the value of an energy, grains, and food company they own. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Fresh off last week's Montana Ag Summit featuring Senate Ag Chair Pat Roberts and USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue, Republican U.S. Senator Steve Daines is excited about new opportunities for agriculture. Daines says agriculture is the heartbeat of his state, and the Ag Summit was a home run for the industry. We really looked forward with our Ag Summit. You, know, you address the immediate challenges of pricing right now for, for us here in Montana We've got uh, uh, almost record low commodity prices in wheat and barley and grains. Our cattle prices are low. But we talked about the future. What do we need to do here to expand uh, our trade opportunities with 95% of the world's consumers live outside the United States? So you do a simple pie chart. You draw a little sliver of 5%. Well, that represents the mouths to feed in the United States. 95% of those mouths are outside this country. And as we had those FFAers out at our event, we are, in fact, our, our room was a sea of blue coats. Uh, those young farmers and ranchers are going to be very dependent on their success on what we do in opening up trade uh, opportunities for American producers. We are in a situation now where we're in that 100-day period of time from the time that the president of the U.S. and the president of China had a chance to speak together. And hopefully in the last hour of negotiations for U.S. beef to be able to go inside the borders of China. But as I understand, as you went to China, you've already taken beef there. How was it received and how were you received? <laughs> well, well, Jeff, before I was uh, got involved in serving in, in Congress, I spent 28 years in business and uh, had a number of trips, uh, spent some actually living in China, uh, driving American businesses. And so we had an opportunity to uh, to get uh, U.S. beef into China. And I, I told my team, I said, uh, uh, if I if we got to get U.S. beef into China, if we can't do it, I'll do it myself. And I literally got four steaks from uh, from Fred Wacker. Fred has a cow calf operation outside of Miles City, Montana. Fred supplied the steaks. He gave me a picture of where that calf was born in the pasture. In fact, the picture of Fred standing in that pasture, so I could show the Chinese this is right where that cow was born. Here's our traceability from the pasture that that calf was born all the way to slaughter in Nebraska. And we put those in a Coleman little cooler, and we smuggled that into China. And I had a meeting with the crew, and I say smuggled. We were there in official congressional delegation, so we can bypass a lot of the formalities. And they thought I had a precious gift for the premier of China, and it was a precious gift. It was four Montana steaks. And I presented those to him at the end of the meeting, and we'd had some serious conversations about North Korea about a lot of the important issues between the United States and between China. But at the top of my list was talking about how do we open up the China market to U.S. beef. It's been shut down for 14 years. It's the second largest beef import market in the world. 
and uh, presented the stakes to Premier Lee Kasheng. He uh, he found it uh, uh, very amusing. Got a big laugh out of him. I presented a pin to him. It's a it's a U.S. flag in the shape of a cow that he could wear in his lapel. And the bottom line is, thanks to the efforts of a lot of folks, of President Trump, of Secretary of Commerce Ross, of Secretary Sonny Perdue of USDA, uh, we are right now on the half-yard line of opening up that market and shipping beef into China. With regard to the livestock industry, and specifically beef, just how big is that Chinese market? Well, it's it's the second largest beef import market in the world. It's 1.4 billion consumers. You look at what's going on in the China economy. There's no saying uh, Wayne Gretzky had. Somebody asked him, what makes you successful as a hockey player? And he said, I skate to where the puck is headed. And you think about where we're headed in the next 20 years. China is now the second largest economy in the world. It's $11.5 trillion a year GDP. They're second now only to the U.S. They've got GDP growth numbers of 6, 7, 8, 9% per year, depending on what number you look at. That is a tremendous opportunity as they're rising in their uh, per capita incomes. Their potential to purchase tremendous amounts of U.S. beef is, uh, is, is very, very great. And we're already starting to see some movement, some upward movement in, uh, in, in cattle prices. Part of that is in anticipation and optimism here of what's going to happen in China. This administration is more about bilateral trade agreements, as per se those uh, negotiations that are going on now with the Chinese, as opposed to the multilateral and the TPP. Cattlemen's Beef Association said TPP was worth $400,000 a day to this industry. Do you think we can be as successful in bilateral negotiations? Well, I do. And and, and I'll tell you, Jeff, I, I, I shared concerns that I think many farmers and ranchers did about some of the rhetoric we heard during the campaign from both sides, some of this very strong protectionistic measures that we know that if we get into a trade war and protectionism, the first folks to get hurt are American farmers, American ranchers. And so as we were going through the approval process of President Trump's cabinet, of course, when in the U.S. Senate, as a U.S. senator, we're in the personnel business. We have to interview these uh nominees and decide whether we're going to vote for them or not. And so I get an opportunity, typically about an hour with each of these nominees, one-on-one in my office, and ask them the hard questions, ask them about rural America, ask them about what we're going to do uh, about these, these overseas markets. And, and gosh, TPP had some great benefits in Japan alone of taking those tariffs down from high 30% numbers to single-digit percentages. That would have been a big deal, I mean, America for the Japanese market. But the bottom line is TPP is not going to happen, and, and the Trump administration is to these bilateral discussions. And I'll tell you, as I heard them describe how they want to get to the same end goal, their end goal is the same, it's just they have a different way of getting there, that I could see where there is indeed wisdom of accountability country to country, of ensuring that after we sign deals, they actually get enforced. Because you look at things like NAFTA, it's 25 years old, NAFTA's done a lot of good for parts of our ag industry, but these these deals kind of wear thin after time. They need to you need to come back and look at the actual results of what's happened. And so, similarly in these bilateral agreements, I think we have better chances to keep these other countries accountable to ensure that we have fair and free trade. And the bottom line is this: you allow Montana farmers and ranchers, farmers and ranchers across the United States to compete on a level playing field, we're going to win. You mentioned the NAFTA, and certainly there is uh, all likelihood now that there's going to be renegotiation of that agreement. What would be a good deal for Montana? In talking with Secretary Purdue here during our Ag Summit last week, 
Secretary Purdue and, and, and Wilbur Ross, the Secretary of Commerce, have told the president, let's just, number one, make sure we do no harm. As we're thinking about uh, NAFTA, yes, there's parts of it that need to be addressed. There's parts that need to change. But the bottom line is there's parts of NAFTA that have been very beneficial to, uh, for example, our, our, our grain growers. And uh, and so I, I think it's going to be more of, of uh, how do we make it better versus saying we're going to reject the whole thing and start over. And I think that's the wise approach because – the last thing we want to do here is uh, is create a great big trade war and upset an apple cart right now that for some industries is working well. Let's target where it's not working here and, and make it better. And I think that is where the Trump administration is headed. Frankly, I think that's common sense. I'll give us better policy. The Senate Agriculture Committee has held field hearings, one in Kansas and another in Michigan, and finally one hearing most recently in Washington that specifically looked at the farm economy. What do you gather about the ag industry and especially the challenge now of coming together on an 18 farm bill? Well, I'll tell you, speaking on behalf of our farmers and ranchers here in Montana, uh, we're, we're experiencing tough times. I mean, we, we, we're seeing prices here, grain prices, that uh, uh, our farmers aren't making money right now. This is just trying to stay afloat here and hoping for better times ahead. And so as we look at the farm bill going forward, a couple of things. One is we need to protect some of these important safety nets like crop insurance. And that's something we'll be working with the Trump administration. I'm also on the Appropriations Committee, Jeff, as well as the Ag Committee. And we're going to make sure we protect uh, some of these programs that have been beneficial and very helpful. Um, we're, we're hearing some um, questions about ARCO and, and how do we make it right. We've got some of these huge counties in states like Montana where county dividing lines don't always make the most sense. Uh, Beaverhead County in my home state is the largest county in the United States. It's nearly 6,000 square miles in one county. And so when you, when you divide up some of these policies based on counties, sometimes in a county that big, it could be divided into, into numerous different zones just looking at the, even the, uh, the climate within, uh, and, and rainfall within a, in a county that big. So there, there's some, we're going to try to add some, some wisdom and some grassroots perspective here to the farm bill. And, and then we've got chances, too, to improve on the forestry side. There were some good provisions in the last farm bill. Uh, the good neighbor policies uh, allow us to get after the diseased timber. Uh, it's a big problem for us out here in Montana. And I'll tell you, I'm just uh, grateful for the leadership of Chairman Pat Roberts. There's uh, a lot of experience there with the chairman, as well as the new leadership in Washington with uh, with Sonny Purdue and Ag. And I, I'm, I'm truly confident we're going to pull this together. The, the Ag Committee is one of the most bipartisan committees we have in Washington, D.C., and I think this will give a chance for the Ag Committee to lead in showing that we can get something done for the people of this country. As you shared an audience with uh, Chairman Roberts and with Secretary Purdue, I would put these two questions together. The Trump budget makes cuts to USDA in staff, in conservation, and in crop insurance. Uh, and as well, the Secretary is also proposing a reorganization Eliminate the Undersecretary for Rural Development and begin an Undersecretary for Trade. Uh, what were your discussions with them, and what are your thoughts about, A, the reorganization, and, to that Trump budget, knowing that you helped to control the purse strings? Right. Well, I tell you, I, uh, I, I'm fairly new to Congress, Jeff. I, I served one term in the U.S. House. Montana has but one member of Congress, and I served in that capacity and then served, uh, started serving the Senate two years ago. One thing I've learned is that president's budgets oftentimes uh, don't have a big impact on Congress. It, it helps establish the president's priorities, his principles, but ultimately it's the appropriations committee and the authorizing committees in, the, in Congress that will decide 
what the budgets look like. I, I applaud the fact that President Trump has uh, is addressing the issue of the fact of $20 trillion in debt, and uh, we, we've got to stop this fiscal irresponsibility in Washington, D.C. We've got to prioritize where you spend your money. At the same time, it's going to be our job now in appropriations to ensure that some of these important programs where a dollar spent returns you know, a $5 yield. And that's programs like crop insurance and others. So I, I, I'm confident we'll get to the right place when this process is said and done. On the uh, reorganization, I tell you, I've got a lot of confidence in uh, Secretary Sonny Perdue. He's got good instincts. He's, uh, he's a common-sense guy. He knows the importance of trade. I think it's good to focus on that, given that is where the future of ag is going to be in the next 20 years, is access to these international markets. On the same day that you were holding the summit in Montana, the president announced from the Rose Garden that he would withdraw from the agreement that President Obama had uh, in the Paris Accord on Climate, but he also said he was ready to begin negotiations again. When Senator McConnell, uh, the majority leader, was on this program, he said the war on coal is over, but the damage is certainly already done. How do you view that climate accord, and, and how do you view now this administration, this EPA, and a coal industry that's important to your state and lots of others? Jeff, it's the difference between day and night. I tell you, um, serving in Congress under the Obama administration, uh, they had coal in their sights. But the reality is, looking what's going on around the world, uh, coal consumption is going to increase over time versus decrease. Why is that? It is an affordable, reliable source of energy. And we can do that cleanly. In fact, we're better off to continue to drive the U.S. coal industry because we can drive clean coal technology. If we shut down coal in America, one, we're going to see huge increases in utility rates, two, huge loss of jobs, loss in tax revenues, and, and we're going to cede the innovation for technology and coal to the Chinese and, and to India. That's a mistake just looking at the environmental stewardship equation. We, we're better off to consume that energy in America when we do it with, with common sense regulations, with a proper view of the environment to ensure we protect our air and our water. I, I don't like the idea of ceding that to the, to the Chinese. And so what Trump is doing is bringing back common sense and all the above energy portfolio. Yes, we need to continue to drive renewables, but uh, oil, natural gas, and coal, the reality is it's going to be with us for a long time, the next 30, 40, 50 years. We're going to add 1.6 billion people to the planet. Energy consumption is going to, going to increase 85% between now and 2050. And i tell you what, we're going to have to have these conventional sources of energy and improve them if we're going to make this all work. Senator, last week on this program, South Dakota Representative Christy Nome shared with us that one of her top priorities was tax reform. She serves on that powerful House Ways and Means Committee. Do you see a companion effort in the Senate, and is there time in the Senate to address tax reform from a from a point and parcel detail, but also from a bottom line detail for the nation's budget? Yeah, I tell you, Jeff, uh, it must. It's something we must address in the United States Senate. Having spent 28 years in business, having spent a lot of time working companies involved in with global competition. In order to be globally competitive, to win from the future, we're going to have to have a tax code that will grow this economy. We have had the worst eight years of economic growth. In, in fact, uh, under President Obama, we never saw a GDP year growth year higher than 3%. That's the first time that's ever happened in a president's term. 
going back to World War II. And so one way to get this economy moving forward again is through a more competitive tax code. We've got the highest business tax rate in the world. It's time to bring that down. So I, I support lowering the rates. That will drive growth. You drive growth, you, you drive more tax revenues. And I tell you what, as part of our tax reform, we need to permanently repeal the death tax. That's something important to us out west here. They have farm and ranch operations. I think it's the most immoral tax on the books, and I hope I will get a chance to vote here this year in the U.S. Senate for a tax reform package that will permanently repeal the death tax. Senator Daines, I want to thank you very much for spending time with us here on Open Mic. Sir, it is Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Well, Jeff, thanks for allowing me to be on, on your program. And I can tell you, I'm just still so energized from what we saw at our Ag Summit here in Montana last week. We had over 700 attendants. They have the Secretary of Agriculture the chairman of the Senate Ag Committee there in my home state of Montana. We actually had a roundtable event beforehand out at a cow-calf operation just south of Great Falls, Montana. I kid you not, we were out there in the field having a conversation about what's important to our farmers and ranchers, and the the cows were bellering so loud we could hardly hear each other. I said, that's exactly the right place where you want to have your chairman of the Ag Committee and your secretary of agriculture. And so we're optimistic out here in Montana. We've got some work to do, but we're getting better leadership in Washington, D.C., and that gives us a reason to put smiles back on our face again. Our thanks to Montana U.S. Senator Steve Daines, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS, Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.